Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. So this morning um, we are going to be kicking off a new series in the book of Joshua, um, sort of over the next eight weeks, which is really exciting, um, and we're looking forward to that. And to kick us off, we've got the fantastic Chris. Excellent, well done. Wasn't even prompted. How good was that? Come on up, buddy. Um, For those of you who don't know Chris, Chris and his lovely wife, Jen, are are our evening community pastors um, and good friends, probably good friends first and then our evening community pastors. Um, And Chris and Jen are about to embark on a very exciting adventure. Very long drive, yes. (laughs) Yes, how many hours? Uh, it's like 10. 10, 10 from North Taramara, so wow. probably 9 from here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because we're that far out. Aren't we? yeah. um, so Chris and Jen are going to be heading off at the end of this month to plant a church in Toowoomba. Yes, we are. Very, very exciting. Or as, as Davy calls it, Woomba. Oh, Woomba. oh, We're going to Woomba. That is fantastic. It's so good. I think that's going to catch on. Yeah, I think so. I think so. that's going to catch Woomba. on. Woomba. Woomba. Yeah, because you're going to, to Woomba. You're going to oh Woomba. It makes sense. So when you do your updates, you need to uh, just call it Woomba. Yeah, Woomba. From Woomba. So how are the preparations going for you guys? Yeah, look, um, we are living in a box palace at the moment. We've got the truck coming on Tuesday, yeah. so we don't actually we don't actually like hit the road and drive up there until the 23rd of May. But yeah, we have yeah we have boxes everywhere. We are eating off paper plates. Like we're just we're yeah. getting the house ready for the truck to come, uh, and then we are staying with some wonderful friends of ours for a couple of weeks before we go. So, yeah. Yes. Yes, that it's box, that kind of, kind of box happening. palace. I like that. And That's so it kind of yeah. So I mean, we're we're thinking about the church plan as well, but. Right now, we've yeah, just got to kind of get over the, the logistics of it, I think. And uh, Chris, just remind me as well, date for your diary, the 22nd of May, we're going to be doing a sending, so having a sending service for these guys where it's just an opportunity to bless them as a church, to pray for them, and it's going to be at our 5 p.m. service. So put that in your diary. We'd love to have you guys there joining us as we send off Chris and Jen and Davey. Won't forget Davey. Um, there. My turn. We did want to just quickly let everyone know how we are looking to support these guys. Um, Shall I take it? Yeah, thank you. Uh, So we've been working with our wonderful board uh, to just really talk through how we're going to support them. And the board are committed to supporting Chris and Jen in a range of different ways. Um, We'll help insure them and we'll, uh, we'll basically be their board until they can kind of get on their own feet and get a board of their own. Um, and, and we're thrilled to be able to give them uh, a monetary gift as they go. Um, and particularly, we wanted to kind of enable these guys to be able to work at um, planting this new baby church because it takes a lot of effort and energy. It's hard work. We wanted to release them to do that. Um, so we, we've, uh, we've dedicated uh, some gifts, some funds to be able to do that so that they can dedicate three days a week um, for the first sort of six months towards that. And what we'd love to do is then open it up to a whole church family to be able to support them for another six months. So over the next three or four weeks, you're going to be hearing us each Sunday talking about we want to get behind these guys and really release them and enable them. And that means raising another $28,000 
sounds a lot of money, but actually I think that isn't hard for us as a church community. We can totally do that. It's really doable. But So what we want to do this morning is just to invite you just to be prayerful, to be praying, asking the Lord, what does he want you to contribute and how does he want you to give towards this? That's how you can give. Um, so if you want to take a photo of that or just you can go on. No, take a photo of that. That won't be on our website just yet, but it, it will be in due course. Um, and Or just come and ask me afterwards. And uh, we would just, yeah, just love you to join us on that adventure. No, I'm good. We're going to pray for Chris, and then he's going to speak to us. So let's, let's pray for him now. Father, we want to thank you for Chris and for Jen and for Davey. Lord, we thank you for that beautiful family. And Lord, we pray your blessing on them this morning. Particularly pray you just anoint Chris's words as he shares. Lord, thank you for the message that you've put in his heart. We pray that you would just help him to bring that as faithfully and with all that he's got this morning. Open our hearts to your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you, mate. Thanks, Heath, Rob. Well, first, before I launch into the message, I just want to say a really big thank you um, to, to Rob and Bond for believing in us as we, um, as we go to plant a church. People keep telling us it's really hard, but it doesn't kind of feel like that yet, so I think it'll be a rude shock when we get there. <laughs> um, but just the way that you guys have believed in us and invested in us in this, this transitioning process. And also a really big thanks to all of the members of the Northridge board because like, it feels really weird to have people supporting you in this way. Like, it's not a, a super comfortable place for us to be kind of stepping out and receiving support, but um, you guys and the, the whole board have been so wonderful uh, and generous to us. and We don't take that lightly, so thank you. Um, and thank you to the whole community for sending us as well. You guys are really wonderful. Um, as, uh, as I was introduced earlier, my name's Chris. Uh, Jen and I have been the pastors of the evening community for six and a half years. So almost seven years, uh, which is kind of crazy. Um, uh, if this is your first time here, I want to say a special welcome, uh, but also a farewell, because this is actually the last time that I'm going to be speaking here before we move to Toowoomba, which is very weird. Um, it does mean that I can kind of say whatever I want because I can't get it. No, no, that's not true. I'm not going to do that at all. Um, but what it does mean is that um, I'm giving this, this message this morning and this evening as well, is that I've spent a long time thinking about what I want to say, what I want to leave you with um, as, as Jen and I prepare to head off and as we share with you for the last time in this format anyway. Um, and I have the privilege of uh, introducing a new series, as Bonnie introduced earlier. It's going to go for the next eight weeks. And we're looking at the book of Joshua, which is an absolutely fantastic book. But it worked out really well um, because, you know, we're starting at the beginning. We're starting in chapter one today. And this, this chapter that we're about to read, this chapter is, uh, is God effectively commissioning Joshua as the new leader of the Israelite people. It's God's, we've had this, this momentous set of events that have happened up to this point, and this is the point where Joshua becomes the new leader, and this is what God effectively is, is saying to Joshua uh, to equip him and empower him to go into the battle that's ahead of him. And so in that sense, it makes a really, really good kind of parting set of words for you guys. So I'm looking forward to sharing on this. Um, but before we launch into actually reading uh, the, the chapter, I want to set up a little bit of context. 
Because sometimes when we read these stories in the Bible, particularly when they're very familiar, it can be easy to forget that what we're about to read is a story that was 700 years in the making. Like this is a very, very important moment for the Israelites. And the, the sense of expectation on Joshua must have been huge. Like I can't imagine how Joshua must have been feeling in this moment as he prepared to take over leadership of an entire nation. So let me, let me set up a bit of context so that we don't miss this. And hopefully this sets us up nicely for the series as well. So if you start reading your Bible at the very beginning, you will learn that a good and wonderful God makes a good and wonderful world. Then he creates humans. Um, the pride of his creation, the centerpiece of his creation made in his image, and the humans stuff it up. Sin enters the world, and if you read chapters 4 through 11 of Genesis, you will read a story of, of basically chaos. If you know those chapters, you'll probably agree with me that things are all over the place because humans have decided that they want to be in charge of the world. So this goes on and on until in chapter 12, the God of the universe shows up and starts chatting to a fairly random guy in a very random town. And thus begins God's plan to redeem all humanity and creation. So this is the, this is the start of our journey. And God gives uh, this random guy, Abraham, he gives him a set of promises. One of which is that he will have many, many, many descendants who will become an entire nation. And also he promises uh, Abraham, that those descendants will inherit um, a land. And so God sends Abraham out from his home, hometown to see this promised land. Now, many events transpire. I'll let you read them for yourselves. Uh, many events transpire, but uh, God's promise to Abraham comes true. His descendants form an entire nation. But as we pick up in the book of Exodus, this nation is not living in the promised land. In fact, they are living as slaves in Egypt. But what God does, God knows what he's doing. He raises up a leader called Moses, who is one of the most extraordinary leaders in human history that we read about uh, throughout the scriptures. He raises up Moses to lead uh, the Israelites out of, uh, out of Egypt and towards the promised land. But rather than lead them straight into the promised land, he first leads them into the desert where the Israelites spend 40 years traveling around and around, and God forms them in maturity as a nation. Now, for various reasons we won't go into, unfortunately, Moses doesn't get the honor of leading the people out of the desert and into the promised land. And so Moses, the, the last scene we have at the end of Deuteronomy, we see Moses looking out over the promised land and surveying uh, the, the land that God has promised their people for 700 years and, and he gets like the most honorable death. Uh, you know, God himself hides Moses away. And this is where we pick up at the beginning of the book of Joshua. Moses has died. And so, uh, if you have a Bible handy, why don't you switch it on? And uh, every time, I love it. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you open up to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to read through to 11. So there are a lot of ones in that. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. 
I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So, Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days, three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving to you for your own. So what have we just read? Well, this passage basically takes the form of a conversation, a fairly one-sided conversation, I'll say. Moses, uh, Joshua doesn't really get right of reply, but... God is, God is talking to Joshua here. And he's calling, he's calling his servant to continue on the mission that he gave to Moses before him and to all of the ancestors they had before them. And you'll notice a pattern when you read through this. See, God basically says three things to Joshua. And each time he pairs it with these words, be strong and courageous. And so the three things are, he says, be strong and courageous, go in and take the land. Be strong and courageous, stay the path, uphold the law. Be strong and courageous, I am with you. So he says these three things. And as, we, I, uh, as I share this morning, um, we will unpack each of these. So let's just have a quick look at verses 1 to 6. So after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord said, uh, said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you. I'll give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. He goes on to describe the, uh, the scope of the land that he's going to take. Uh, and then he says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now, sometimes uh, in, when, when you, we read translated texts, it's a bit tricky to, to kind of get the gravity of what's being said. But did anyone else notice that this is epic? Like, this is hardcore. What God, can you imagine if God said to you what he's saying to Joshua here? Like, like this is really, really huge stuff. He's saying... Wherever you step your foot, I will give you that land. Like, I mean, with Sydney property prices, imagine if that happened to you. That would be incredible. And so, you know, it's, it's really important to realize the significance of what God is saying here. He's saying, go in confidence and take the land that I've been promising your people for 700 years. 
But let me tell you what God is not saying here. And I think it's really important to realize this. God is not saying to Joshua, well done, you guys made it through the desert. It's time to have a break. You know, good work, guys. Here's the promised land. Enjoy. You know, they are not entering in at this point. They are not entering into a holiday. They are entering into a battle. You know, the promised land isn't just sitting there waiting for for them. There are other nations there who they need to conquer in order to take possession of their land. And so God is saying, go and take the land. You know, one of the biggest issues I think we run into in Western Christianity is that sometimes we think that God saved us so that life could be nice. Now, I don't, I don't really think that anyone like, consciously believes that. Like, that's not really a common theology. But I think that sometimes we unconsciously act like God saved us so that our lives could be more pleasant. You know, I'm not really a massive fan of the coffee at church, and it's just really hard. You know, please, I'm struggling with feeling connected because, you know, the coffee, which is not true, by the way, just not at Northridge anyway. You know, I haven't got heaps out of the teaching recently, you know, like, you know, I expect that every Sunday the pastor can deliver a life-changing message and it's just, you know, I just haven't got a lot out of the teaching or, you know, Chris and Jenna are on worship this Sunday, so I might just come a bit late to church. Now, I'm, I'm obviously being a little bit silly here. You know, these things do matter. Like, coffee is like the fuel that drives the kingdom forward, right? So I'm just, I'm just being a bit tongue-in-cheek. But we... We were not saved as God's people. We were not saved so that we could have a nice time. We weren't, we weren't saved into basically a Christian holiday until Jesus came, comes back. We were saved that so we could join in the army of God that is fighting for the salvation of the world. God's kingdom is advancing and we, his people, are part of the battle now, I'm not saying that we can't have a nice time sometimes. I'm not saying we can't enjoy coffee. In fact, I think we should all do that. But sometimes, particularly in the culture we find around our area, we can be so insulated from the pain and brokenness that is in everyone's lives. And, you know, there is a direct parallel here between Israel going in to take the promised land and our commission that we have as God's church to go in and take ground for God's kingdom. There's a direct parallel, and I think that's entirely, entirely intentional in the Scriptures. You know, it's important to notice here that, you know, God, when God is sending them in to the promised land, this is land that he has already allocated to the Israelites. Like, he's already given them that land. It's already theirs, according to to the Lord, but they have to go in and take it. And that's such an interesting parallel. We talk about in the vineyard all the time, the now and the not yet. You know, God's kingdom, like it's already been promised to us, but we have to go in and take it. And so in exactly the same way that God says to Joshua here, be strong and courageous, go and take the land. I say to you guys, be strong and courageous, take the land, fight for the kingdom. You haven't been saved for a holiday, you have been saved for a battle. And so why don't you join in a fight? So there's verses 1 to 6. 
Let's pick up again in verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. You know, I think it is very easy for us to fall into the trap of believing that because you're a Christian or because someone is a Christian, they must therefore be good, honest, and nice folk. You know, you're, you're a Christian. Oh, okay, you're a Christian. Uh, so you must be trustworthy. You must be great and, and you know, pretty much without flaw. There's, there's already some nervous laughter. This is awesome. You know, if there is one thing that I have learned in six and a half years of doing ministry... It's that just because someone is a Christian, it doesn't mean that they are inherently better than anyone else, that they are, they are good through and through, that they are without fault. And I know that because I'm one of them. You know, I, I, I'm just an ordinary person, right? Like, we're all just ordinary people. We have an extraordinary God, and we've, we've chosen to follow Him, but, but just because you become a Christian... Uh, in, in a given moment, it doesn't automatically transform you into perfection. And equally, I have seen the things that even the most genuine, heartfelt, well-meaning Christians do to one another. You know, Christians are not exempt from bad, bad behavior. I think that's actually really obvious in our current cultural climate. You know, a few years ago, we had a royal commission into sex abuse in the church. And it, what was fascinating is that in so many cases, it wasn't these evil, predatory people. It was well-meaning, well-intentioned people who failed to stay the path. Last year, the Anglican Church uh, released a really important um, uh, study done into domestic violence within the church. And, you know, it was shocking but also not surprising to learn that domestic violence is still rife in church communities. And in some cases, religious systems even facilitate it through faulty theology. And, you know, recently, uh, we have seen so many prominent leaders in Christianity fail spectacularly in the public eye. And again, they're they're not these evil, predatory people most of the time, but honest people who fail to stay the path. And it's so easy to sit back or to read about it on social media and judge. But the truth is, the main difference between them and us is that they're in the public eye and everyone notices when they fail. Here's what I think is happening. Have you ever heard it said that salvation is by faith alone and not by works? Have you heard that? Or there is nothing you can do to be saved, it's what Christ has done. Have you heard that? I hope so, because it's true. I mean, this is one of the core Christian doctrines that we believe, is that our salvation comes from the goodness of God and the sacrifice of Jesus. That's where our salvation comes from. But where we get it wrong is that salvation is not the end of our Christian journey. Salvation isn't the destination. In fact, I think salvation is the point of new beginning. And after salvation needs to follow formation. You know, we're not saved just so we can wait around till we die or till Jesus comes back. We are saved so that we can participate in the battle for the kingdom, which we've already talked about, and so that we can be formed into the likeness of Christ. And that requires intentionality on our part. 
It takes time. And so coming back to the passage, you know, it's really interesting. God actually says twice um, in this bit, you know, follow the law, keep to the law, and then you will be prosperous, and then you will be successful. I don't think that this is some kind of bargain between Joshua and God, where God's saying, if you keep all the laws, then you'll take the land. It's not like a, a transactional thing. What I think God recognizes here is that if Joshua messes up, If Joshua follows to stay the path, it will cost him dearly and it will cost his nation dearly. You know, these these are not theoretical ideas. I hope that by illustrating uh, this point with some of the shocking things that have happened, uh, even in Christian society recently, I hope you realize that these aren't just ideas. You know, holding fast to the word of Jesus, to the word of God is not just a good idea. It actually saves people a whole lot of hurt and pain. Like, this is so important. And so, once again, in the same way that God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, stay the path. I want to say to you guys, be strong and courageous, stay the path. Cling to Jesus. Fight for purity. Fight for righteousness. Fight for holiness. Not because we want to be better than everyone else, because we need it. Because we need to step into alignment with the way that we are made. So let's be strong and courageous and stay the path. Now, so far, I realize that my message has been a little bit intense. I'm kind of laying it on you guys because I can. Um, You know, we've talked about being strong and courageous. Take the land. Don't go in expecting a holiday. Go in and, and get ready for a battle. Be strong and courageous. Fight to stay the path. Do not veer to the left or to the right, but stay true to who Jesus calls you to be. Um, And you might be thinking, well, I came here this morning to feel better about myself. Well, if that's you, I have good news for you, because the last be strong and courageous is a really good one. Let's read verses 9 and 10 together. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know, I don't know about you, but most of the time in my Christian journey, I don't feel strong or courageous. You know, a lot of the time I feel tired, or I feel hungry, um, or I feel slightly narky, and I'm not the best version of myself. Like, that's probably my normal state of being. When I look after myself really well, I'm sort of, you know, kind of in the middle ground. I'm not feeling strong and courageous. I, I, but I really want to be excited about the, the battle for the kingdom. I want to be strong and courageous for that. When God taps me on the shoulder and says, you should pray for that person, I want to be excited about that. And, and staying the path, like, like I'm, I'm not preaching this to you as someone who does this perfectly, far from it, believe me. But I want, to, I want to stay the path. I want to honestly live before God the best that I possibly can. I want to cling to Jesus in all that I do. But here's the cool thing. What we've just read God say to Joshua, it's exactly the same thing that God said to Moses back in Exodus chapter 3. At the burning bush, God says, Moses, you are going to lead the Israelite people out of Egypt and into the promised land. And Moses says, who am I to do that? And God's God's response is fantastic because he doesn't even address the objection. He just says, I am with you. Who am I to do that? I am with you. 
It's the same thing that God is saying to Joshua here. And it's the same thing that Jesus says to his followers in Matthew 28. Jesus' final commission to his people, according to the Gospel of Matthew, says, Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. You know, if you are not feeling strong and courageous, you are in very good company. You really are. Because the wonderful thing is that our strength and our courage, it doesn't depend on us. It's not something that we kind of find within us and, and, and kind of pull out. It's something that comes from the knowledge that God is with us. That the power that raised Jesus from the grave is with you every moment, in every situation. I don't know what your faith journey looks like right now. Maybe you're really struggling with sin and you don't feel worthy. Maybe you're distracted by life and, to be honest, this just seems a bit distant at the moment. Maybe you are all guns blazing, blazing, ready to go in and fight for the kingdom. Or maybe you're absolutely anything in between those things. But I want to say to you, again, as God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, for your God is with you. Your God is with you. So what what does this actually look like in practice? I wasn't planning on sharing this bit, so you'll have to bear with me as I make it up as I go. Um, But I just, I really felt like the Lord prompted me in worship um, to just, to make this a little bit more concrete for us as we finish and before we pray. Um, But what does it look like to see the kingdom advancing? You know, in, in this book here, it's very obvious, like, God basically gives Joshua a map, doesn't he? Like he says, here is the scope of the territory that I'm giving you. Like, you know, you can, you can be in the territory and then you can walk out of the territory. It's, it's clearly defined. God's kingdom established by Jesus isn't like that. It's much more, it's, it's almost more conceptual, isn't it? Like it feels that way sometimes. But it's not. It's actually very concrete. And I wonder if you know that we actually get a map of God's kingdom. It's not one of the like, maps that you get you know, when you buy a Bible, it has the maps in it. It's not one of those maps, but Jesus actually gives us a map to define the boundaries of his kingdom. I want to read it to you. Here's the map. Here's how you know whether you're in God's kingdom or whether you're not. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, that they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you want to know what the kingdom of heaven looks like, in very concrete terms, there it is. When the meek are blessed, when those who mourn are comforted, when the meek begin to inherit the earth, when the merciful are shown mercy, 
when the pure of heart see God. That's when the kingdom is breaking in. And that's what we're fighting for. We are fighting for a world that looks just like that. This is, this is Jesus' vision for the kingdom. And read on from Matthew 5 all the way through to the end of the Sermon of the Mount. And he spells out how it works in, in extraordinary terms. It's the most revolutionary sermon ever given. This is what the kingdom looks like. And I would love, as, as I finish up um, and as I leave these final words with you, I would encourage you to be strong and courageous so that we can see this. So can we stand together? Now I'm going to pray that God's presence would come and fill us. That would be awesome. So the the final be strong and courageous was um, be strong and courageous for I am with you. And so my prayer for us this morning as we finish up is that God would be with us. That God would be with us and that that would be our reality. Not just for the super like experienced charismatic Christians here, but for every single one of us. Because we've just read about the kind of people that God loves to use to see his kingdom come. So come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Let's just wait for the presence of God to fall and to fill us up. Let's just continue to wait for the Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. You know, I think Matt was so spot on earlier when he said that the presence of God has just been so thick this morning. Um, and I just, I feel like God really wants to encounter us um, as, as we wait. So just don't tune out. This isn't an awkward silence. This is God doing his work among us. So come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray for more, Lord. Lord, we hunger and thirst for your presence and you promise that in your kingdom we will be filled. Come, Lord Jesus, fill us up. Just continue to wait. Continue to receive the Lord's presence. I just I had this picture just now of like dry and cracked earth um, that hasn't seen rain for a very long time, and um, I see rain just just beginning to fall gently at first, but more and more and more until. Um, it just begins to soak the earth and to, to fill it up with water again. And I just think that there are some people who've come and just feel like that um, dry, cracked earth. And my prayer for you is that God would fill you up, that God would um, bring the rain and he would fill you up again. And I think there are also a few people right now who are just, like, just really experiencing the joy of the Lord. And if that's you, I just want to bless that, just receive that joy. Receive that joy. Enjoy that. Come, Lord Jesus.